Alcohol Tipping Point is brought to you in partnership with Speak Studios and Speak Boise. Speak Boise is a community-driven studio space where voices from all walks of life can speak and be heard. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Speak Studios, Speak Boise, and at their website, speakstudios.com. Speak Studios, speak and be heard. This podcast is also brought to you by Instant Imprints. Promote better with Instant Imprints. Instant Imprints are Boise's visual communications experts and your place for everything you need to promote your business, club, school, or group. As a locally owned business, Instant Imprints specializes in making your organization more visible with custom branded apparel, embroidery, promotional items, print services, and wide format printing for signs, as well as banners and vehicle graphics. Want better ways to get noticed? Visit Instant Imprints at instantimprints.com slash Boise or call 208-IMPRINT. That's 208 467 7468. Attention Idaho and California residents. If you're shopping for a mortgage, contact PacFi, a mortgage brokerage with the top wholesale lenders in the nation. They are committed to simplifying the mortgage process, saving you time and money. Call 858-442-7048 or visit pacfi.com. NMLS number 1462943, Equal Housing Lender. Welcome back to Alcohol Tipping Point. I am your host, Debbie Maisner, and I have a special guest from overseas um, who's here, not in Boise though, but on a phone call with me. And he is Darren Taylor uh, from The Sober Bubble. And I'll just let you kind of introduce yourself a little bit more, Darren, and, and tell tell us about where you're from, where you're calling from right now. Sure. Well, hello, and thanks for having me. Um, I'm based in the UK on the uh, the east coast of the UK in a, a place called North Lincolnshire, which is a nice flat place. <laughs> um, being on the east side of the country there we we don't get as much rain as uh, as the rest of the country which is always a positive um so yeah it's uh, it's good to be speaking to you across the across the pond yeah fantastic yeah and thanks for coming on i really appreciate that um You're welcome so just kind of tell me a little bit about like what your relationship with alcohol and drinking has been like yeah, sure. I mean, for me, it started as as most people really uh, these days at a young age, where it was it was normalised. So, you know, my 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 dad would go to the to the pub every every Saturday without fail. That was his thing. Um, he loved it. My mum didn't. Um, so there was always that hostile, you know, atmosphere on a on a Saturday in particular. Um, and I also had older brothers, so my brothers were ten and twelve years older. So again, they, you know, when I was ten, they was in their prime, going out, and you know, it's uh, it was kind of a culture thing, um, particularly where I grew up, which was a, a steel town in a place called Scunthorpe in the UK. Um, so yeah, that 
you know, really set the scene, if you like. Um, and I was drinking from a young age, yes, but it really started more as I started to travel around with work, um, you know, away from home, bored in the hotel. You know, you, you, I was drinking quite a lot and it got to where it really did, uh, you know, start to, to take over. So I, I knew something had to stop and it was either me that was going to stop drinking or I was going to go crazy and, you know, perhaps lose everything. Who knows? And I wasn't prepared to take that chance. So I I ended up um, quitting altogether. So, uh, yeah, there's a few turning points in in my life, losing my, my mum about 16 years ago uh, was something that you know I didn't deal with emotionally and that stayed with me and you know it would appear that 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 kind of came out in the drinking really so uh yeah I had to I had to really consider my options and you know from various various points it was time for me to stop or or go on that slippery slope further really yeah so so growing up did you say it was a steel town what did you say yeah it's a it's a steel town um so there was a, a big steel works there everybody knew somebody that worked there or or somebody that used to work there or or whatever and it, it was a an industrial town um so you know it it's kind of the culture around around that, I'm not saying everybody was into drinking and would go out and get hammered all the time, but it was certainly the norm. Um, and that's what I, I grew up into. So I saw it as the norm myself and was going out, you know, underage drinking in the bars and things like that, um, where you thought you was, you know, king of the north, as it were. Um yeah, it was so, a yeah. way a way to like practice being a grown up because that's what grown ups do. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And and when you see that as a as a child all the time, you know whether it's right or wrong, um, and that's where the perception comes in. It, it's the thing; it seems to be the thing to do. Sure. Yeah. Um, remind me what what is the drinking age in the UK? It's um, it's legally it's eighteen. I think okay. I think it, it's, it's yeah. They, I don't know whether there was talking of changing it, but legally it's eighteen. Um, but they are saying now that you have to be, uh, you have to look over uh, age twenty-one to be served. <laughs> what um, does that mean? Yeah. Well, our government <laughs> across here have, have a, a thing where they just like to bamboozle everybody with rules. And I think rather than just say, look, if you're not 18, you know, I think it's because these days, this is just my, me surmising, but kids maybe look older and, you know, they need to look 21 to get served. It's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but the thing is, if you, if you are, you know, if you're over 21, and you look 16 or whatever, then, you, you know, it, it makes a difference. You can, if, if you're 18, you know, you get you get served, but you just have to prove, um, prove that you are. Okay, I got it. That is sounds a little bizarre and kind of discriminatory yeah, towards it is. people that look young. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it should be. Look, if you're not 18, you can't have one, and that's it. And if you look, if you look either, if you look younger than that, then you know you need to show ID. But yeah, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, I was always kind of little and just looked young. I would have had a hard time then, Darren. Maybe that would have helped me. Anyway, okay. I'd love to get I'd love to get asked for ID now, but it's not right? going to happen. Oh my gosh! Yes, okay. oh, I'd be over the moon. <laughs> now it's like, um, do you qualify for the senior discount? <laughs> yeah, not you. not you. But okay, so you grew up yeah. in a small town. It was the norm to drink, and then it sounded like it didn't really progress until you were more into adulthood and traveling for work and and having boredom but also dealing with yeah. the loss of your mom yeah well there, there was a, a clear turning point um for me and it was when I got into uh, sales and business development and I went out to um a call to go for a meeting and I went with the senior guy who you know was training me or or whatever you want to call it, and we went to the meeting at about eleven o'clock, and then it was lunchtime, and it was right, right, let's go for some lunch, and we went to um, a local bar um, where near where this call was at, and uh, we had something to eat and a pint, and it was kind of you know what do you want, and I was like oh. I don't really know. Well, I'll get you a pint of lager. So I had a a drink and I'm thinking to myself, this is all right. I've actually come out, I'm working and work's now paying for me to, you know, have some lunch mm-hmm. and a drink, which was alcohol. It wasn't, no, you know, do you want a soft drink because we're working? It was, you know, are you having a pint of, you know, what kind of alcohol do you want, really? It was it was, it was, was as plain as that. And I thought to myself, this is all right. You know, young, you know, early 20s at the time, I thought this is this is the life for me. Um, you know, at that time, you have no responsibilities and things. It, it's, it's, it sounded like the way to go. And, and, and I've been in that kind of role since. Um, you know, particularly in the in the latter years up towards 2014, you know, I was living a life on expenses, uh, traveling all over the place. And it really was, um, you know, it, it's a single single person's job without question. Um, but when you're not having to pay for anything as well, it, it's kind of like a party lifestyle it turned out to be for me. Which uh, which was good in some ways, but obviously has a has a downside, and that's when it becomes a bit more than you know your drinking becomes a bit more than fun, and starts to affect others, and that's what happened. So uh, so yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I I've read about you know a few other sober accounts, and it's kind of similar. It was their job ironically that got them into mm. drinking and it was and it, it's a yeah. lot of marketing and salespeople you'll notice um yes definitely yeah and I'm quite lucky because I I know a lot of people who are in that in them positions who are you know divorced or um certainly you know maybe never never found someone or, or whatever and and I came very close to that um but 
fortunately for me, you know, I, 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 I didn't, I would say I didn't hit rock bottom, but I could see it from where I was standing. Um, and I didn't like what I saw. So as hard as it was, I had to change my lifestyle. Yeah. So what, what tools did you use to quit drinking? Um, I used a bit of everything, um, to be honest. Um, I, I tried uh, normal, just normal therapy, you know, talking to a, there was a, in, in the local council here, there was a, I forget what, I think it's called Step Forward or something like that, where you can go and actually talk to somebody who used to have problems and, and things like that. But it really didn't do anything for me that. So I I started, well, different, I've tried different things, but it really, for me, to when I really did stop, um, I started with AA mm-hmm. and I did that for, a while but it it turns out that it wasn't for me but I did take some really really good um you know good positive steps from that um but I really also used um NLP which is neuro linguistic programming because at that time I'd um I'd I'd left the job that I was talking about where it was uh, you know it was crazy um, and I'd still got issues that I'd not dealt with when I lost my mum. So I'd started having counselling for that. Um, and that brought out a lot of um, emotions, you know, because of that circumstance that, you know, losing my mum suddenly like I did. Then the lady who was also an NLP practitioner, and she said, you know what, we can maybe change your thoughts in terms of uh, drinking as well. And, you know, I went through through some of that with with her um lady called jill cowley she's she's actually become a really close friend of mine she's uh yeah amazing and that really did help me and that put together with you know some of the steps from aa um and just some of the uh, things that i picked up from other people and and my own life experiences with some of the things that i'd experienced with work and things like that um you know about letting <clears throat> letting you anger out and things like that so so yeah I got a multitude there was no one specific road for me yeah and I think everyone is unique in that way and they kind of weave together their own um quilt of yeah take a piece here and there and um make it work for them so tell me more about NLP the neuro linguistic programming yeah, well, it's it's really just about um, changing your thought process. So it, it it's it's kind of we call it regaming, refocusing. So you take a situation which would normally, let's say, be a trigger point, and in your mind through self-talk and you know and and, and other techniques, it changes that that way of think uh, of thinking so that. You know, with with self-talk, it really is, you know, building up on that. So it's, you know, not a case of I don't want to drink. Um, It's a case of I don't drink Um, and instilling that into your into your mind. Um, And you you can come up, you come up with with pictures in your mind um, so that, you know, there's, there's loads of different ways. But 
as an example, you can see, you know, beers and wines and things like that, but you visualise them going off into the distance and and things like that, which really does sound sounds a little bit psychedelic. But <laughs> when you you're talking to it, um, you know, you're talking through that with a with a practitioner such as Jill, the lady I did it with. It, it really did help me to focus, and I would leave there with these fresh thoughts in my mind, and you know, positive thoughts, and 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 to continue that through self-talk and other things um, really did make a difference. And that, that there's things such as you know, I've done quite a lot of management courses um, and things about being positive and working through your you know, issues to, you know, to putting obstacles in the way, for example, and, you know, obstacles don't stop you and bounce you back. You can go around them. So it's a case of having that end point and really visualising where it is that you want to go. Yeah, so, it's uh, all like, yeah. so mindset work is everything. Definitely, yeah. It starts yeah. there in your head. It does, yeah, that's right. It's, uh, and you know, living that particular life, you it's easy to get lost. So without having a, you know, not a goal as such, but, you know, an, an end point or a way of life, it's, you know, it's quite easy to just get stumped by the obstacles and, and turn back on yourself. Sure. And, and this was so um, helpful for you that you wrote a book. Um, called Finding Your yeah. Sober Bubble, Overcome Alcohol by Understanding Emotions and Circumstance. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, the, the title there itself, Finding Your Sober Bubble, mm-hmm. um, it, it was going to be called Variety and Sobriety because I had that much variety to help me towards sobriety. I mean, it sounds like there's a song coming on, doesn't it? But, um, <laughs> but I always used to say, you know, just... I'm all right. I'm in my bubble, you know, and, and, you know, if I'm in my bubble, you know, that now is a sober bubble and that, and that became my safe place. And I would just say, well, I'm in my sober bubble. And that's all part of, you know, the self-talk and, and things like that in my mind. So my sober bubble is my safe place. And I think that's where the title come from, because I thought, well, there's a lot of people out there who maybe don't have that safe place, you know, and they've, they really need to to find that to be you know to to give themselves the best chance of um, of becoming sober. And there's a lot of people who, you know, there's a, there's a massive scale of people who have had huge issues. You know, they've lost absolutely everything. They've nearly died. And then there's the people who just want to drink. And the, between all that, or sorry, the people who just want to cut down on the drinking. But between all that. There's a whole massive grey area of people who have got problems that perhaps don't want to talk about them, but they all need to find that sober bubble. And I I found my sober bubble by overcoming, you know, by understanding the emotions that led me to drink and the circumstances that put me in them positions in the first time. And that's where the the subtitle of the book came in. Yeah, I love that. Just finding your safe place like that was a helpful mm. visualization for you too. Yeah, 
yeah, definitely. It's uh, really when I think, right, I'm at home, I've got my family, you know, it's I can go anywhere and find my sober bubble because I know what needs to be in it. Um, certainly alcohol isn't one of them. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and and to find it, there's a whole host of, you know, different tips and suggestions right from the obvious to the to the not so obvious. Yeah, definitely. There, There's a lot of help. And I just like my whole philosophy is just practice not drinking. Um, and like you said, just take these tools and tips and have a little like sober kit or whatever that helps you. Yeah. 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 I think so. I think there's a, there's a whole, for me, it's like maybe two stages. So you've got the whole, I need to stop drinking and then there's maintaining it, which is where the tools come in, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Well, what would you say like would be your top tips for someone who's just starting out questioning their relationship with alcohol? I would definitely, um, well, let me start again. I, I, it probably took me a good, you know, three years of ups and downs before I finally stopped. Um, but for me, I, I see that as, as, as a, let's call it long-term planning. Um, and what I realized was, you know, it never didn't really have to be that long-term if I'd actually sat down and you started thinking about, you know, the the six P's, as I call them, the six P's. Do you, do you know the, the six P's? I don't. I'm not sure Tell if I'm me. allowed to swear on that. Yes, <laughs> you can say anything it, you the want. The six P's is planning and preparation prevents a piss poor performance. And that's true throughout anything whether it's uh, you, you don't have to throw the word piss in you could just say poor performance if you like but I, I like it kind piss. of emphasizes it <laughs> yeah it emphasizes it doesn't it you, you mm-hmm. throw it in there now and again but it it's true with anything you know if you're going to do a marathon and you don't plan for it you know it, it's going to be a piss poor performance um and it's the same with you know quitting drinking if you see it as you know a task that you have to do then you need to plan for it and that means looking at you know maybe writing down with a with a pen and paper just like old school writing down write down concerns ideas dates you know if there's anything that's coming up such as a you know a works meal or a, a dinner where you're entertaining clients and you know that there's going to be you're going to be put in a situation then you know at that stage of planning you don't necessarily have to know what to do. You just have to realise that, you know, there is these situations and they're, they're going to, you know, they are going to be there. But knowing what to expect is is really a good way of starting off, I guess. Um, you know, and then there's things like understanding, you know, the real reason why you, you know, you want to quit drinking in the first place. Um, and that's not just because, you know, I get up and I'm, you know, it's, I feel rough in the morning and things like that. It's, you know, what is it that's really, you know, what are you doing to the people around you, to yourself and things like that? I mean, I'll give you an example, which I think is in the book. Um, I drunk drove once and, you know, it was quite a distance as well. Well, I've, I've 
done it quite a few times, I'll be honest with you, um, mm -hmm. which I'm not proud of. But I built this vision in my mind of, you know, what would have happened if the worst of it happened and I'd have been in an accident or even worse, God forbid, you know, killed somebody. Now I'm starting to think of, you know, myself in in jail and talking to my kids through a screen and, you know, picking up the phone with them on one side, me on the other or whatever. And, you know, that image in my mind really frightened the life out of me. And it, it made me think, well, do you know what? I just do not want that. I, I do not want that to happen. And, you know, it came down to me not wanting to hurt or, um, you know, ruin the rest of my family's life as well. And that's a real reason to stop drinking, not just because I feel rough or, you know, anything like that. Um, and again, it's important that, you know, in, in terms of your family and your friends, it's letting them know that you are stopping and getting them on board with it. The last thing you need is to, you know, plan that you've gone to a, a place and again, again it all comes back to planning but plan that you've gone to a, a dinner party or something like that you get there and everybody's doing shots and things like that your head's just going to fall completely off mm -hmm. um but if then people know that you're stopping drinking and you've you've been up front and said look you know what i'm i'm quitting they're liable to leave you alone and things like that yeah so so, so your top yeah. tips would be planning knowing your whys and even your your deeper whys and and just letting the loved ones close ones around you know um that you're not drinking yeah yeah, yeah i think so and then you know there's others um you know alcohol must be your top goal you know quitting alcohol you know everybody has a lot of goals but quitting needs to be up there at the top not just something that you fancy doing if you're really serious and you you know you're going to struggle. And uh, I always find finding somewhere where you can go and shout and swear and <laughs> lose your mind at some point because you, there's a lot of tension that builds up. You know when you when you want that drink and you 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 can't have it. Um, so yeah, it's what, uh, yeah. What did you do to let out that tension? I've got a um, a punch bag mm -hmm. in the garage, um, and I did used to, you know, go for that, and I used to go for a run. Um, it it was more uh, with me, you know, emotionally as it is, you know, with everybody. It wasn't a feeling of, you know, I need to get out there and belt something or or give someone a good hiding. It was a case of, you know, I need to start thinking about something else. You know, if that means that you have to run into the woods in the middle of the night and shout till you can't shout anymore, then so be it. You know, your your number one goal, as I mentioned, has to be not drinking. It's certainly for the first thirty days, two months, three months, whatever it is, everybody's different. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I always tell people like, now's not the time to diet. Like, just focus yeah, on yeah, absolutely. Not drinking. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. And and there's a lot of, you know, it, it's easy to say, right, whole lifestyle change. I'm going to uh, I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to lose weight. Yeah. I'm going to, yep. you know, I'm going to get my hair done. No, I'm going to eat a bag of sweets because it's going to stop me drinking. Mm -hmm. And if that makes me put on a few pounds, so what? I'll worry about that later. You know, yes, you don't want to be um, 
gorging yourself and turning <laughs> turning the other way. But you know, it's I used to have a bag of um, fizzy sweets when I was in the car because um, I, I, you know, it's, you know what it's like when you stop drinking. All you, know, you can think about is drinking. Um, <laughs> so I used to have a bag of fizzy sweets, and it used to take them cravings away. Okay, what's fizzy sweets? Is that a, a UK candy? Yeah, candy. Yeah, yeah. Is it fizzy? I love how you guys say candy. And we, yeah, it's uh, yeah fizzy. So it, it's like sugar coated. Um, yeah, sugar coated candy. Does it like make bubbles in your mouth like fizzy? Um. <laughs> No, it can do. It can do. You can get popping candy, um, which uh, I'm trying to think now. Do you ever have uh, wine gum? Do you know wine gums? It's an ironic name, isn't it? But it, no. Yeah, it was, um, um, I can't think of how they. What is like it? Chewy, chewy sweets, but with um, just with sugar on them. Like a yeah. Like a um, Sour Patch Kid? That's the one. Okay. Like a Sour Patch Kid, but maybe <laughs> not sour. Yeah, okay. definitely. Okay. I'm into other candy because anytime we travel, my daughter's like, bring me back some candy. And like you don't notice. <laughs> You're like, well, there's a different candy here in the UK yeah. or New Zealand or wherever. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but yes, and candy's a good one. I, I I do like chocolate as well. I have to say, but um, I've got to where I can, I can control that a bit better now. <laughs> yeah, definitely focus on the sugar later. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, um, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just gonna did some like, random things that I found as well. Um, you know. There's all the usuals, isn't there? I find a suit for, you know, a, a substitute drink and things like that. But um, you know, mine was as, as simple as listening to certain types of music. Mm-hmm. You know, I would listen to house and dance music. What I used to, you know, we used to go to Ibiza with with friends and things like that, and always get smashed. Listening to that kind of made me want to do that again. So I cut that out as well for a while. Oh, um, okay. So and, you really, you went to Ibiza. Yeah. And you you partied to house music. And so then it was hard for you to listen to house music. Yeah, so when I when I would listen to that, it yeah. uh, I used to you know, not the word fantasize, but it mm-hmm. like remember all them things and think yeah, it was amazing and then link that to uh, you know the 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 drink and the drugs and whatever else it is that you was doing when you know it's it kind of makes you miss doing it and anything oh well actually am I boring now am I doing this you know that one always comes in your head doesn't it as well I'm boring no you're not boring you're sober um, but yeah the the music side of things um, and I love music as well um, but my musical taste is really really eclectic it's you know like i say house and dance music at one time and then you know the next day i could be listening to don williams or someone like that it's 
it's always been the same. I, I just like music, but I had to cut that certain type out because it reminded me of certain things. Mm-hmm. Was yeah. there some music then that was like soothing to you? That, like, that could replace that feeling? Yeah, yeah, there was. I mean, I had quite a lot of, um, like I say, because I have such a, a, a different taste in music, you know, I would listen to um, Van Morrison quite a lot and things like that. Um, but, I mean, in, the, in my book, I've actually written a, like a, a summary, including, you know, tunes, different tunes, and it, it kind of goes from where, you know, I started... I started drinking, but from where I was you know, on on the up in my drinking career to, to stop it and some of the tunes that influenced me because I think music can play a real key part in uh, in recovery depending, you know, whether or regardless of what, what stage you're at and what your drug or drink of choice is, I think music is really powerful. Well, that's interesting. I love that. So what if you had to pick a theme song for your life or your life right now, what would that be? Um, I think I'd probably have to maybe go with one that was in, that I've actually put in the book and it, it would be maybe days like these or, or new attitude. Um, do you know, Patty LaBelle? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, she uh, she did a song in the eighties. It's a proper eighties song um, called "New Attitude," and it's uh, you know it, it's I always know um, the the line because I've written it that many times. But it's some you know one of the in one of the verses. It's somehow the wires uncoiled, the tables were turned. Never knew I had such a lesson to learn, but now I'm feeling good from my head to my chair uh, to my from my head to my shoes. Know where I'm going. I know what to do. I've tidied up my point of view. I've got a new attitude. Ooh, I love it. And that's uh, and I, I I know that off by heart because it's like I say, it's something that I've I've, well, I've listened to quite a few times, and I've also put it in the book. So, um, yeah. How do you do? You get up and belt it out at karaoke night. Uh, I don't sing it. No. <laughs> Um, my, my party piece for singing was La Bamba, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> Wait, that was your go-to uh, karaoke song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all because when I was at school, we did a, a miming contest and I did La Bamba and pretended I could play the guitar and everything, <laughs> like Richie Valens from 1957 or wherever it was. <laughs> and, and the words stuck with me. So later in life, if karaoke was on, that was me. I was doing it. And I'd pretend to be Spanish and everything. Aren't the words just, <laughs> ba-la-la-la-la-bamba? <laughs> exactly. You can't get that wrong. <laughs> um, that was actually one of my favorite movies with Lou Diamond Phillips. <laughs> yeah, it is a great movie, that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. Music. Um, I also was just kind of reading about your book a bit more, and you have a unique booze category scale. What is yes? That? Yeah, what is that? Well, the the booze category scale is um, it's really because you know I believe that anybody 
can probably have a problem with drinking or anybody can, um, you know, turn to drink given the right um, circumstances. So you've got, you know, here in in the UK and, and I guess everywhere in the world, to be fair, you know, it, it used to be that there was, you know, alcohol abuse or dependence mm-hmm. or, you know, what if you if you wasn't abusing independence what, you know, or dependent, does that mean you're in some unknown safe category or, you know, is it as simple as that? And, and I thought, well, no, it's not because the vast majority of people know they've got a problem but won't admit it and they won't admit that they're abusing it and they won't admit certainly that they're they're dependent on it so you know historically you either fell into one of three categories and I thought again no it's not like that because there's a whole you know road if you like to that so it my, my booze category scale goes from teetotaler right through to reaper's depender which is you know that there's 10 levels on it one you teetotal you don't drink um and then it goes through toasters mealers weekenders uh now and again a wind down and weekender and then the the biggest category in the one which i think probably most people with a problem are is 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 the binger which you know is has got its own levels i've put within that because it's such a you know it, it's such a a, a big deal when it comes to drinking problems. So you could go out and have a binge, you know, once every uh, once every week, but you know it, it's it's really not doing you any good. And then you get the what I would call the level three binges, where your off switch is broken, and that's where I was. Um, so yeah, the booze category scale. It's. Uh, I think it's. I think it should be published by the UK government, actually, because it'll. It would honestly, a lot of people would relate to it. Um, definitely. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, they they. I mean, really, the word alcoholic is not a, a medical term. Uh, the medical community uses substance use disorder, and it is like your category, like it is a range from mild to severe, uh, like physical dependence. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we all can fall somewhere along that line, unless you're, you know, a teetotaler or a non-drinker. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So yeah, and I super they... important because I think people. Um, if, if they think either, like you said, that typical three buckets, so it's either you don't drink at all, you're a quote-unquote normal drinker, or you're rock-bottom alcoholic. Yeah. And yeah. that's what, if you don't fit into one of those buckets, you think you're okay, you're safe, you're healthy. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it is a, you know, it's, it, it's a slope as well. It's a spiral, and I think... Mm-hmm. With my category scale, I'm trying to sh- show or at, at least, you know, make people aware that, you know, it, it's not clear cut and it's easy f- to move from one category to the next. And before you know it, you, you've got that, you know, got that uh, that hook that's in you that's going to drag you down further. And it, and it, it, it also, it, it, you know, the, when you 
look at alcoholic, I think the perception in society of that term, uh, as you mentioned, it's substance um, use disorder and, and things like that. But people, when they think alcoholic, the perception in society, I really think, needs changing. Um, because nine times out of ten, you know, someone will think of an alcoholic and they think of, the, you know, the guy on the street with, you know, no money, looking around for cigarettes, you know, th that kind of thing. Um, and I, I do think that the perception of that term in society needs changing. Yeah, it's got yeah. a real stigma attached to it. Yeah. I'll give you an example. It's a, a guy once said to me, <laughs> he says... Um, and I've had to put this in the book as well because I think it's it, one. It's hilarious, but it sums it up. And he says, uh, "So, um, you know, he knew I'd stop drinking." He said, "So, would you classify uh, yourself as an alcoholic?" And I said, well, "Would you classify me as one?" And he said, "Well, no, you don't look like one." <laughs> and I said, "Well, what what does one look like? Do you know what I mean?" And and it, it's mm -hmm. it's exactly that. So there's a there's a lot of people out there who, you know, maybe do fall into this perceived alcoholic category that, you know, that, that society has. But you won't have a clue because, you know, they're holding down a job, they're normal, they've got a family, they're, you know, they've got friends, they go out. But when they're on their own, you know, they're secretly fighting this battle. Um that people don't know about. So, and, and I think that's the thing that, you know, society everywhere could maybe get to grips with that, you know, it's not just a, a problem on the outside. It's, it's a problem within. Um, and until, you know, we lose that stigma of, you know, the alcoholic being a bum, then perhaps people might not get the help that they need. Yeah, totally. And part of why, like, I do what I do and recover out loud. Yeah. Just why you do Absolutely. what you do is just uh, help other people. Yeah, and and that's exactly why I wrote the I wrote that book in the first place is to you know to maybe try and end that and say look it's it's a bigger deal and a bigger issue than than people give it credit for. Yeah. Well, how how has your life changed since giving up alcohol? Um, massively, really. It's, uh, you know, on a personal level, I'm not as tense. I'm much more calm. I, you know, I do a lot more with, um, with the kids and things like that. So, you know, in terms of you know, outside of health reasons, it's, it's just got a lot better in, in that respect, really. Um, when I did stop drinking, I, I I, I didn't feel like I could go anywhere or do anything because it was such a part of, you know, the, the socially and things like that. But more for me, um, it was work. You know, I used to travel a hell of a lot. Um, and, you know, I felt that if I was to travel, I was to drink. Whereas now, you know, traveling is, is more about going and doing what I'm supposed to do, whether it's work uh, or if it's work, then, then definitely that. But if it's away, you know, on a holiday or with a family or weekend away, uh, we go touring quite a bit. And I enjoy the days so much more. Mm -hmm. Really enjoy the days so much more. And, 
you know, I'm not always thinking, right, when am I going to get, when am I going to get to have a drink? When am I going to get to have that glass of wine? And, you know, it's as if your mind's much freer to think about other things. In fact, sometimes I get annoyed about things that you shouldn't get annoyed about because you've got that much space in your brain because it's not filled up with thinking about boozing. But, um, yeah, yes, it massive, massively improved. Yeah, that's yeah. wonderful. Well, what are your plans for the future? Um, in terms of, um, you know, family or work or everything, really. Oh, what... Is there anything in particular? No. It's your, no, it's just, your future. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, in terms of, you know, what I do, I've, I've had, a, in terms of professional life, I've had it, I've had a quite a steady um, few roles uh, where I've took a step back and I feel I'm ready to, you know, to go back to what I was doing, but obviously in a much more, clearer state of mind so I mean I'm looking to to do great things there Um, I'm going to carry on uh, supporting people where I can Um, in terms of my family it's to you know it's it's, which is the the ultimate aim and the ultimate you know reason for me for doing everything including stopping drinking obviously well mainly stopping drinking and that's to enjoy it Mm -hmm. and do things with the kids and you know not miss out because you know I can't remember what what's happened and and things like that and it's to travel and it's to you know it's it's to just enjoy it but above all it's to make sure that my kids grow up you know understanding that there is more to life than booze and that you know they can make a you know a good life for themselves and that's really where I'm at at the minute so uh yeah yeah, that's beautiful. Well, I'm mm. so glad that you um, came on the podcast. I'm glad we got to talk and um, appreciate your story and you sharing. Um, how can people find you and find your book? Well, I'm on um, Instagram, first of all, uh, where I'm at the Sober Bubble. Um, I've had a, I've had a a good month or so off Instagram at the minute. I mean, I recently lost my father, so it's kind of messed with me a little bit. Um, but I felt like I needed a break off social media as well. Um, but I'm going to be back on there soon as, like I say, the sober bubble. Um, I've got the website, which again, I've had a little break from, but I'll be back on there soon. And that's uh, soberbubble.com. And the book, uh, finding your sober bubble. There's a lot of sober bubbles going on, isn't there? <laughs> There's bubbles everywhere. And I love how um, you say bubble. <laughs> bubble. <laughs> yeah. It makes it, me happy. <laughs> oh, good. That's good. Happy bubbles. They're yes. everywhere, I told you. Um, yeah, the finding your sober bubble is on Amazon. Amazing. Um, okay. So, yeah. Well, thank you, Darren. Have a great day or night. I guess it's night over there where you're at. Yeah, it's almost uh, eight o'clock in the evening. So it's, uh, yeah, not too bad. It's not dark yet, which is always good. Well, lovely, lovely to meet you. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, I hope I haven't waffled too much. (laughs) 
Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Alcohol Tipping Point. I'm always here for you guys, so please feel free to reach out and talk to me on Instagram at Alcohol Tipping Point and check out my website, alcoholtippingpoint.com. Again, I hope you can use these tips we talked about for the rest of your week. And until then, see you next time. Thank you.